it's becoming a chore to answer the phone because we're not sure what's going to be on the other end when we, we hear it. So I appreciate Bob's prayer about, about being able to approach God and know the things that we have done and pray about. Um, I appreciate that. I, I did want to uh, also a public service announcement on, my, on our son Alex. Um, he had um, surgery uh, for his uh, had a cancerous growth removed, I guess a week and a half ago. And uh, he's recovering from surgery, and uh, they did a scan this week, past week, and they um, did not find anything else. So that's good news. Amen. He will see an oncologist this week and see what treatment will follow. So please continue to keep him in your prayers. Um, it's a terrible thing to get old at times. When Butch called me, Butch called me earlier this week and said, uh, we're, we're in need of someone to stand at the podium and preach. Usually a preacher, I won't call myself a preacher, usually I'm prepared. I have something in the back of my mind that I, it's been bugging me. I've got I to speak out and say something. Well, I had it. Well, I was sitting there preparing, and I, I mentioned to Lisa, I said, you know, I haven't done this before, have I, at Enterprise? She goes, oh, yeah, you've done that. I went, oh, no. Now what am I going to do? So I had to come up with something a little, you know, a little shorter uh, expectation or time period than I expected. And then the next day she goes, but yeah, don't rely on my memory. And I'm like, well, there you go. Neither one of us can remember. So I'm just saying maybe the sign of years gone by, maybe. We're going to talk about uh, a few things we talked about in class. I know uh, this may, some of this may be a repeat, but it's truly something I think we need as a body, as individuals, know our place, know, know what to expect, okay? If you turn to John, well, you can turn to John chapter 5. You, you're all pretty familiar with this story. Uh, John chapter 5, let's see. Oh, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the healing of the invalid at Bethesda. Jesus is walking by the pool and he sees this invalid there and the, the invalid is, uh, if you will, in a race to be healed. He, he has to race to the pool to be healed because he thinks of the healing powers that are within the pool. And Jesus walks by him and says, what do you want? What, what do you want? And the invalid says, well, I, I want to be healed, but you know, because of the process, I'm never the first one to get in the pool, so I can't, I can't be healed. And Jesus, Jesus tells him to be healed and to get up and go. And he does. Well, we run into the, uh, the Pharisees, okay, afterwards, because, of course, you know, he's doing things that he shouldn't be doing, according to them. And not only that, he's attributing in verse 17 uh, to God. He says, But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. So he takes these works on himself and says, I am working. Well, of course, that irritates them as well. And now they're, they're after him again. So Jesus responds to them. And in verse 19, Jesus says, 
So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Amen. If we could stop at that statement, at that observation, we wouldn't need the entire New Testament. If people could have seen Jesus perform the miracles, perform these things that only God could do, and recognize, well, those come from God, which we've studied in, the, in, the, in class, and immediately connected those to Jesus, saying, well, obviously, Jesus must be from God. And if we had immediately, the world had immediately recognized that, we wouldn't need a whole lot more instructions. This is, this is Jesus. Here he is. He's come to save. But the world didn't accept it. The world didn't understand that. The Pharisees at this time didn't understand that. So it, it's a shame. It's a shame that we, through humanity, had to go through this and deny Jesus who he was at that time and put him on the cross. Verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows himself all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. Well, Jesus is talking to the leaders here, but he's, he's told the apostles the same thing. Greater things that you will do, right? And what about us? Is this talking to us? We have seen great things. Do we believe it? Do we believe that Jesus can walk on water? Do we believe that He can heal the sick? Do we believe that He can raise the dead? Do we marvel when we see these things, when we hear these things happening? Do we marvel? Are we struck with awe? even though we weren't there. Even though we, we haven't seen it with our own eyes. We haven't heard the mute speak. Do we believe? But I think it is for us that we may marvel. Because, frankly, I marvel. I read these things in the Old Testament and the New that happen, and I, I'm like, look at the power of God. There's nowhere else that this, these things can happen. The power can come from other than God himself. And I think most of you do as well. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the, the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, has passed from death to life. Well, then I pose this question in the Bible class. Why did Jesus perform these miracles? Why did he do these relatively, I don't want to say simple, they're not simple, 
but miracles on these people. This invalid that's laying by the pool. Of all the things Jesus could have done, why did he tell, why did he heal the invalid? Why did he heal the blind? The mute? We, you know, we expect, they expected grandeur, right? They expected a kingdom. They expected a savior that would do all these, I don't know, special, grandiose things. But Jesus did things, I think, that we can relate to. I mentioned this before. The, the only way to be cured from blindness, true blindness, is from God. I've never heard of anyone being healed of blindness except through the power of God. I have record of record of, of people witnessing and being amazed that God did that. I've not even heard of it anywhere else. Oh, you may get a cured of uh, cataracts or something like that, but this is truly a miracle. And he did it over and over again. Verse 31 says, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Meaning if he was just a man and just spoke, you know, that, you know, this is my word against yours. That's not what he's saying. He said, there is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. God provides the testimony for him. These things that he was doing are evidence of God. They can, they can be from nowhere else. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. We wonder why, you know, I wondered why he performed these seemingly walked by somebody and healed them miracles is they are complete displays of what the Father wanted people to see. God the Father has done many great things that we, we can't imagine in our lives. But yet I know if right here we could have someone healed of blindness in that fashion, I think we would all believe. I think we'd say, well, that obviously comes from God. Amen. It didn't come from Chris. It didn't come from this building. It came from God. But this testimony is one thing I wanted to key on. If you will, you turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, verse 8 says, Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble, who among them can declare this and show us the former things. Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right and let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, and nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. 
I declared and saved and proclaimed when there were, was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God, and henceforth I am he. There is none other who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? people of Israel were witnesses. They were witnesses of the parting of the Red Sea, the Jordan, uh, fire, uh, pestilence, they, they just numerous things. And God says, you, you are my witnesses as a nation, as my people. Well, does that extend to us? Amen. We talked earlier about belief. We have to believe in him who sent me. Are we witnesses of the same? Are we not witnesses of maybe even more? It's through God's providence that we have the Old, the Old Testament, all the recorded events, and we have the New Testament, all the recorded events. And, and we, you know, we could... If you ever had somebody come up to you and say... Do you really believe that we got pairs of animals in the ark? You ever had anybody ask you that? Or do you really believe that God did this? The answer is yes. Amen. I believe it all. It's not for me to understand how he did it, why he did it. Most of the time he tells us, but that he did it. And that Jesus in the New Testament when he came and performed these miracles was so that it would be witnessed and that it would be witnessed by them and intrinsically in that fact witnessed by us. You are my witnesses. You know, I've said that in times of trouble, I've looked around at my buddies and said, you know, you're my witness that this is going to happen. Probably not the connotation that he was thinking. He witnesses that, that you, me, that go throughout this world, say, yes, Jesus is who he said he was. Amen. There is no doubt. I attribute this passage, uh, I'm glad that, uh, again, Bob read out of 1 John. I attribute this passage to my good friend, uh, Tom. Tom's a good Bible student, just a dear man, friend of ours. But he always, this is one passage he always returned to. We turn to 1 John, chapter 1, we'll look at that a little bit. 1 John, chapter 1, verse 1 says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What is John doing? He's testifying. He's witnessing. He's telling us what he witnessed, right? Amen. He said, I saw... I'm paraphrasing. I saw God walk on this earth. I saw him participate in activities. I saw him 
eat, fish, talk, teach. I've seen it all. We've heard it, we've seen it, and we've touched it. Do we believe? Do we believe the words of John? These things concerning the word of life. The life has made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it. And proclaim to you the eternal life which was from the Father and, has, and was made manifest to us that we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. So that you too listen to this that you too may have fellowship. That you, yes, I'm, I'm pointing at you, may participate as witnesses. Now all of you, that, I don't know if you've been selected for jury duty, but I know you get this envelope in the mail that says, can you appear this date? And you go, and I'm sure you, they've heard some pretty lame excuses for not being on, you know, not being this trial. I mean, I would probably come up with some. I'm here to be honest, I probably would. But if I had to swear you in as witnesses to the events of Jesus Christ, would you have the faith to do it? Would you have the faith to testify that, yes, I do believe that Jesus is the Son and that all, everything that is written about Jesus is true? That's what John is doing. Saying, look, I've seen it. It happened. I know you can't be here. I know you didn't experience him. But here it is. We've seen it and testify that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship, that you may enjoy the benefits of being a witness, that you participate in being a witness, that you are called to be a witness. I think that one day, one day, one point, in life, we're going to be called. What did you witness? Did you witness my son on this earth? No, but I believe it. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And I, I truly believe that. I truly believe... If there was one thing I could get across to, to fellow believers, is that... Well, I'm going to tell you, I am not complete without the church. I just am not. I would hope you could say the same. Amen. We have many, many missing 
because of various reasons, illness and far away and moved and, I mean, and we got a, we got a dear letter, thank you very much, this week uh, about being missed and not being able to see them. And I truly believe that's what has saved me in continuity of being a Christian all these years. For the reason that what John reminds us of. If you look at the book of John, uh, 1 John, he reminds us of love, doesn't he? Throughout the book, he's at least three or four times he's saying, love one another. Okay? Don't, if you look at uh, chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Behold, I am writing to you no, uh, no new commandment, but an old commandment. One that you had from the beginning, the old commandment, is the word that you have heard. And he's talking about not loving the world, but loving each other. And I don't think we can separate the two about being witnesses and loving each other. Matter of fact, I think it can't be done. We have to be both. Chapter 3, verse 11. But this is the message from you've heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. He tells us again, you've already heard it. You've heard it from the very beginning. There's no, it hasn't changed. It's one of those messages that will never change. Love one another. Verse 23, chapter 3. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit in whom he gives us. So not only to provide witness, but as a command. I don't, when you think about it, it's pretty tough. How do I command you to love someone else? I can't do that, can I? You ever had a sibling? Uh, yeah. I had my share of siblings. But my mother or father could not tell me, well, you have to love your sibling. I could say it, but, you know, that was, it wasn't true. They could not tell me to do it. So I, it's, it can only come from God. The commandment can only come from God that you love one another. That's where the source is. We talked this morning about the source of salvation and righteousness is only in Jesus Christ. Commanding to love can only come from Jesus Christ because that's the source of love. Now, I can't, we were talking about sharing the, the gospel this morning. I can't say anything to convince you that I love you. 
I don't know, I don't know there's anything I can say. You may, you may feel it, you may think it, but to truly know, I'm not sure I, I could. All I can give you is my experience, my testimony, right? My testimony is that the only reason I'm here today is because some loving elderly women, when I was a child, prayed for me. I know they did, because they would tell me. They would say, Chris, you're going to grow up to be better than you are right now. We hope. But they prayed a lot. But I know I wouldn't have made it past my teen years without those prayers. I know when I went to, uh, when I was learning about Jesus, I know that the elders in my congregation prayed for me. They prayed with me. They prayed for me constantly. One of the elders, of course I was young, but he was one of my best friends. My Bible teachers, my, my first, second, third grade Bible teachers, I know, I know they prayed for me because they had to. No, I mean, they, they were sincere and they loved me. My instructors, when I went to, when I was in high school, college, I had instructors that I would go to their house and pray. I would go to their house and be taught the Bible. I'd be taught about Jesus and what he did for me. And I'd get taught, be taught about love and what it meant. And in my travels, I, I've traveled here and there. But you know, every time I go someplace, I almost always go to the church. You can ask my wife, if we're going we're gonna to seek out something and someone related to the church, and we're going to go and participate. It's not because we have an overwhelming, pious duty to go participate. It's because the church I've always loved, and it has always loved me. Again, you may not understand that. You may have never been truly loved by a group of people in your life. You may have never been truly loved by an individual in your life. I don't know. But my experience and testimony is that the church of Christ, the body, was designed to be one of the loves of your life. Amen. That we not... You know, I don't like to use the term forsake it, but... Don't give up on it. Don't let it give up on you. Amen. You know, I don't, I don't know what's happened in your life. There's some, there's, I know in some of your lives terrible things have happened. If you're older or if you're younger, I don't know what younger means, but it's possible that you think there's something you cannot get over and without support. 
And I'm here to tell you that here is the support. You know, I spent some time in, in Los Angeles when I was younger. And you know, you know the reason kids join gangs? Because they got nowhere else to go. They get a sense of responsibility and family out of, out of gangs. It's, it's just what it is. Nowadays, maybe a little different, but still, that's why they join up. Or at least tolerate it. They get that sense of, of being. So, this is the sense that I've got. That not only that have I seen the miracles that Jesus has done, but I've seen what it does to people. I've seen and know beautiful hearts across this country that know Jesus and I can see it in them. I know that wherever I go, that Jesus is there. His body is there. And it might not be in the form that we all recognize. It may not be in the form that we expected, but it's there. So I believe. That's about, it's about the only testimony that I can give you is that I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe he performed all the miracles that are recorded. I believe that with him and that belief that I can be part of a fellowship that is greater than any other. And that I will share in a kingdom one day. And I don't have to fear death. And I don't have to fear the things of this world. Those phone calls are still going to continue as long as I live but I don't have to fear them. We're still going to get hurricanes, but I don't have to fear them. We're still going to have some calamity, some other COVID, some other pestilence, but I don't have to fear them because I believe in Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we get this message also in John chapter 5. And I, 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 don't, I don't want fear as a driving factor. But listen to what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is John chapter 5, verse 25. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. You get that last word? Because he is the son of man. It's not the effect that's going to cause us the problem. It's not that car, if you will, racing into that brick wall. It's not the car meeting the brick wall. It's the force that's moving that will eventually cause the problem. Jesus, because he is who he said he was, is the force. He is the method that we have to understand that 
the salvation only comes through him, but it's because he is God that it has to come. So folks, today I just want to leave you with this. There is no other place, there's no other person, there's no other God than Jesus Christ. There is no other place where you can fellowship Him, fellowship with Him, if you don't fellowship with the body. And we want you to be part of it. We want you to, to always find this as a haven. I mean, that's maybe the best way I've, I've, I've considered all these years is the church is my haven. And I pray and sincerely hope that when Jesus calls you when, you, when you look and Jesus calls you, you answer and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to have salvation. I want to have your grace and mercy. Please, if this message has convicted you or touched you in a way that you need to respond or ask for prayers, would you please come as we stand and sing?